welcome back to Access All Areas. You join us for our season finale, our episode six of our 2023 Lakeland 5000 experience. And we are mega chuffed, aren't we, John, to be joined by Terry Gilpin and Mark Lathwaite, race directors, all things epic that go on last weekend is down to these guys. How are we doing, fellas? We're just recovering. <laughs> mm, fair comment. Just recovering. I'm not recovering. See, because Terry's kind of like chief of staff. He gets to go for a week's holiday. And I'm ah. on fans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Terry's had a bit of downtime, Mark. It's cadence is still high. Yeah, yeah. Busy couple of weeks just sorting all the all the stuff out after the event. But no, but it's all good. It's all good. And the event last weekend went past in a blur for John and I, certainly, and I can imagine that was similar for you, a bit of a haze of um euphoric activity. But how looking back on it, how How's it all panned out from your perspective? Terry? <laughs> it, yeah, it was a busy weekend, wasn't it? Uh, but when you look back on it, it's it, it, it gone past in a flash, really. Uh, you know, highs and lows, uh, mostly highs. Um, and we just feel very tired at the end of it all. But uh, a week, a week, a week later, it, it's all it's all gone. We're all recovered. Well, you are. <laughs> well, I, I am. Mark isn't, but I am, yeah. <laughs> Mark, does that reflect your um, feelings? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, in terms of how it went, I think it probably went as well as we could have expected it to from, from our perspective. You know, it's, I always say this is very, very hard. We're not in a position where you can enjoy the weekend, you know, because it's uh, because there's always something happening or, you know, whether, whether it's a briefing or kids race or the 100 race, but... And then obviously it's coordinating that. So even just a sim- something simple as a hundred start, have you got all the marshals there? Is the, is the uh, road closure staff in place? So you're basically just it's constant firefighting all the way through to the presentation, and then once the last runner's in and everyone's safe, it's kind of that's the only time you can really enjoy it. But it's um, but then you know it's it's not our weekend to enjoy, is it? It's it's the weekends there for the runners to enjoy, not for us. It's our job really. Not, but it's uh, so yeah. Now's the time we can sit back and just chill a little bit and mm. look back on it and appreciate it. And see, see, just on that, I think part of the role that we, part of the role that we were involved with, was giving you that footage that you can go back and enjoy and reflect on because it's sort of stuff we did was on was on Facebook. But I just want to, when we arrived last Friday, one half past one in the afternoon, Stephen, something like that. I think we arrived on site, and we said, "Has uh, anybody seen Matt? Ah, he's over there. We were over there." And then we went over there, over there, and over there. So you're everywhere. And then we actually found you. Thank you. Thanks to um, Nikki Nappet, who was the lady that uh, got us into that hub. Take us to your leader. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then in that hub, which we think, do you think it was the art room in the school? or It was was a room in the school anyway. And we came in there, and there's all this furore, or just like carnival thing happening outside. And we come in there and it's just a state of calm. I think there was only three or four people in that room. Yeah. Um, and we'd we'd obviously arrived at your setup that Marshall's arriving is eight o'clock ish in the morning, isn't it? So a lot of stuff's happened prior mm. to that. But there's obviously still a lot of organizing and there's a lot of demands coming at you from all over the place. 
does that happen until the last runner's in? Are there questions coming at you all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, the comms room remained a, an oasis of calm, really, all the way through, didn't it, Mark? Mm. <laughs> yeah, and it is good. It is good. I mean, I, th I think the thing is, it's like with any organisation, you'll have questions, what, like, for example, can I swap my T-shirt size? And then you'll have questions which might be something major related to whether the GPS trackers are functioning correctly. And yeah. we can't be answering questions on whether you've got the right T-shirt size. So you, we, we have a lot of volunteers and then we have a... a, a some of the volunteers that have been with us for a long, long time, we have them as like a middle management, if you like, and they manage all the volunteers. Mm. And then we've got another team sat above that. So you can just deal with the major stuff and then you're not getting harassed about, you know, such and such, but he's not getting a flapjack. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry yeah, about that that's one. Fine, but we've got someone on the fell missing, you know. We didn't have anybody on the fell missing, but you get my point. Mm, uh, yeah. You know, so it's just that. So, yeah, so that's why we have that kind of central comms room in, where we where you can just get away from people. And try and keep yeah. it secret where it is so you're not constantly getting people coming in just for a chat you know and you yeah. can just manage manage the big things that are really important yeah so it wasn't the art room it was the music room sorry no, i think it was the art room actually oh, no, no, it, was was the French, it was a french it was a french room. room the language room yeah, yeah. i like there's posters on the wall i, I like terry's description room. an oasis of calm it's what it felt like when we, <laughs> when we came in. and it, it was the first time we actually got our eyes on the buckle you know yeah. Um, which was fantastic, man. Mark, Mark was sitting there with a buckle, and I think we both went, oh, that's a big one. So, <laughs> it definitely uh, was larger in the flesh than it uh, was in the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Not often that's said, to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah. Mark, can I ask, you mentioned about checkpoints, and we had a chat, I think it was on the Friday night, just before we headed off to um, our tents. You were talking about there being a new virtual checkpoint in the 100 because of um, signals and making sure everybody was safe. How did that pan out? We spoke about it being set up, but how did that pan out? Black Sail. Are we talking about Black Sail? Yeah. 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 It was fine. It was fine. I mean, I think we're always just trying to look at little ways of kind of managing. And I mean, the, the, the thing is with the event, the biggest thing is safety. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Lakeland is known for all its kind of like quirky madness and stuff like that, and the presentation and people getting married on stage and all of that kind of stuff. But ultimately, you've got 2,000 people out on the mountain throughout the night. You need to know where they all are. If anybody's in trouble, you need to ensure they've got medical provision. You know, you've got to get clear communication for all of that. So that structure is that structure is far more important than, you know, line dancing on stage. It's not so. And, and that's that's the, the kind of base of the event, really, is having all of that infrastructure in place, because if it doesn't, then all the hoorah is nonsense. You know, it doesn't work unless you've got a, a solid structure in place. So for the 100 runners, we always have a bit of a black spot between Wasdale and um, Buttermere, um, and the GPS trackers don't update. So if someone has an accident on um, uh, uh, Blacksdale um, uh, Pass, for example, then it may potentially not be able to get any any information until they get to Buttermere. So um so yeah, in between Black Sail and Scarf Gap, there is a little Black Sail Youth Hostel. So we booked out the youth hostel and took a satellite dish up there and set up a little RFID reader. So if people went past, and it wasn't a checkpoint as such, but what it meant is we, everybody who went past the Black Sail hut was recorded as going past. So it filled that dark spot between Wasdale and Buttermere. 
Yep. So we knew at least if someone if someone were to go missing or there was a call out, we would know that they either have or haven't gone past Blacksale, which is halfway between Wastel and Buttermere. So yeah, it's narrows, narrows it down, doesn't it? Yeah, we've got yeah. a team of marshals and um and a couple of medics, and they just basically have to walk into that checkpoint because you can only access it by foot. Walk a couple of miles in, carrying the sat dish and set it up there, and yeah. So it's just just a little added security, really, because that the only place we the only place in the race we ever have problems is Wastel to Buttermere, and then Howtown to Mardale. That's where generally the issues are. If someone's going to injure themselves, they'll injure themselves going down to Horswater, which I think two people did this year. It was a dislocated shoulder and a broken wrist. Yeah, okay. And it's always it's always it's always going down to Mardale. They slip because they're tired and they slip on the way, way down. Yeah, it's I'm always, it's always the same place. Every year it's the same place, isn't it, Mark? Yeah. Hot yeah. spots. Sorry? Slipping spots. Hot spots slippy for incidents. No, yeah, slippy spots. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it's 16, that was about 16 here, including the one virtual? Yeah. Yeah, so you'll get to know where things happen, I take it. Um, and then putting yeah. that risk mitigation in place to to try and help the the safety of runners and um, that duty of care i suppose yeah. the and priority it's getting, it's getting in to help them as well when you look at the course mm -hmm. if you know the lakes well accessing certain areas so once they go over to mardale and then they're on the way over to kentmere that's a really hard place to get to so once they get to kentmere they're pretty much on that main road this is the 590 that comes from the m6 and goes down to windermere if you think once they're over to Kentmere, they're almost on that 590 and then they follow it to, to Ambleside and then they follow it to Chapel Style. So that corridor is very easy to access. And so is that northern corridor, the A66, which goes from Penrith down to, you know, you've got Buttermere, Braithwaite, Blencathra, Dockray, Dalemain. They're all just either side of the A66. Mm -hmm. But those two, that western and eastern sections are very, very difficult to get people to as well and get people out of. So you kind of like for me. You know, when we're coming into Saturday evening, Sunday night, once everybody's over to Kentmere, you can breathe a sigh of relief, really, because they're right. on the side. You know, they're only just by Windermere on the main road to some extent. So it's, it's easy to get to them if we need to get to them. You take your right. first sort of breath out when, they, when they've successfully traversed to that point in the course. What See on that, in the weather, now you spoke at the presentation a wee bit about the weather. It was quite a challenging year weather-wise. Um, we didn't really, I suppose, see that down in Corniston and Ambleside, which is kind of where our footprint was mainly. Um, but up in the, the tops, and, and especially on the Friday night, I think it was, a bit of a storm came in. Um, and is that something that was, it's hard to forecast the weather in that part of the world, I know, but was that expected? I think, they, I think the 100 runners had a, a really bad time from Buttermere to Braithwaite. Mm -hmm. I think the rain started just after Wasdale and then carried on all the way through to Braithwaite. And uh, I think if you if you look at the video, uh, you can see that it got pretty intense, really, working across there. And some people had a really rough time. Mm. Yeah, well, I was struggling to sleep in my tent. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can only appreciate what it was like actually being out there. A good lad. <laughs> being out there grafting away, um, it, it, I don't know, that on night one of potentially a, a, a two a two nighttime ultra um, and, and you're getting battered and soaked through and you're thinking, where the hell is Dalmain? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you, and then you come to, to Dalmain and it was beautiful sunshine. It was like a beautiful summer's day. 
You know, and all the all the fifty runners, the support crews, and the fifty runners that arrive in off the buses, and it's like, oh, what a lovely day. And you've yeah. got the hundred runners coming through who've suffered a night of misery, a part of it being misery. Yeah. You know, but what I've got to say is that race community, it doesn't have show up big time at Dale Main. You know, everybody, all the hundred runners are being cheered through, and a few were in a state of disrepair, but the support teams were helping them, encouraging them on. Take a wee bit. If you want to drop out, just take a wee minute and think about it. You know, mm. there was a lot of that going on. Um, and it was lovely. And then I've said to Stephen, um, you two didn't half ramp up the start of the 50 as well. You know, there's that electric in the air. And I think the song we spoke about was ACDC's Thunderstruck. The whole the whole field's going, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Like caged tigers in that pen, just mm. waiting to go, you know? Yeah. Um, what does it feel like, though, for you guys at, at that part of the race? Or, the, or the, sorry, not the race, of the weekend? What does it they feel start. like? Yeah. It's it's an exciting start, isn't it, at Dalemane? Uh, yeah. Lots and lots of supporters there that have all turned up to see runners. Uh, you know, the place is absolutely packed, isn't it? And it's bouncing. Yeah, it's really good. There, there were a record number as well started the the 50 this year. We've never had as many. How many was uh, it? 1361. Oh. And I've just got the numbers here, actually. 616 started the, the 100. 1361 did the, did the 50. So we nearly hit 2,000 runners. 1987, 1,987 runners in total. Oh, 394 in the kids' run. Uh, well, well above, well above 2,000, yeah. Yes, with 400 medals ordered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no close. DNA. No DNA. <laughs> Too close, that. <laughs> yeah, that was twitchy but time, I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so almost two, two, so a record number of starters in both the 50 and 100. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. Well, well above in the 100, yeah. Uh, pr- probably 80 more than we've ever, ever had before. Okay. And a record number of finishes as well. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. And per- percentages. And you were reeling off all the stats, Mark, um, last weekend, both at the briefing and at the presentation. Um, although you were a bit sceptical about one of the stats being yeah. accurate. Is that now, has your data an- analyst team been on that? Is everything hunky-dory? Yeah, let's move on. Uh... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing that John and I got a bit of insight to over the weekend in our sort of roles as as roving reporters, and if you you spoke to us or we spoke to you or whatever over the weekend, thank you, um, was the just the scale of the operation behind the scenes. Having been there for the last couple of years to take part as runners, um, it was that appreciation of what the the mammoth task logistics tasks that's going on behind the scenes, um, and none more so when we went into the sort of stores tent. And John's eyes lit up at bags of jelly babies and, and stuff. I could see him kind of getting sacks, sacks of jelly babies, sacks of jelly babies. Um, and it gave you that appreciation of all the stuff that's going out to checkpoints and getting set up. Um, mm-hmm. the, the checkpoints are absolutely marvelous refuges. Do you know what? Okay, if you're at the sharp end, you're running through them. But for people who are, do you know, there to get to the finish line. Um, the, the checkpoints is there some I don't know if you want to just say a bit about your checkpoint staff and the people who make these places such a a, a unique place. Yeah, I mean, this, the, 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 
for the checkpoints, there's all sorts of kind of, we had sorts, all sorts of issues really in the early years because when we only had a handful of people, mm. the checkpoints were like, a, you know, serving something out of the boot of someone's car. My dad <laughs> drove his Nissan Micra to Blencathrin, parked up in the car park and had some jam butties in the back of his car. And, you know, so it was that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, when you look at it, if you realise you, pro- you probably wouldn't have checkpoints where they are now if we anticipated to have these numbers. Mm-hmm. So Mardale Head is probably the, the most ridiculous place to put a checkpoint because you've got to get stuff in there, you yep. know. So, so it, it, it involves, and, and where there isn't a village hall or there wasn't there's a building, so we've got a company who go around and put marquees up, so the marquee at Dalemane, the marquee at Chapel Style. So you've got a company who's got to go around and put the marquee up and then they've got to put tables and chairs in there as well. And then we've got the guy who goes around and drops all the portable toilets at every single checkpoint. So every checkpoint on the course, he's got to drive the full 105 miles and deliver portable toilets to, to all of them and rubbish and then collect the rubbish afterwards and take it yeah. all away. So there's all of, all of that. And then you've got the checkpoint managers and the checkpoint staff who come in and deliver it. So it, it's more than the checkpoint staff. Really. Just getting the checkpoints there initially is a huge challenge. You know, for, for, so Mardale Head, for example, the company have to drop. We've got the, the marquee there. They have to take two, 3,000 litre barrels of water there. They have to take portable toilets there and they take the bins there and they have to take all of that away afterwards. So yeah. you've got to do that for 14 checkpoints because even checkpoints like Kentmere or Village Halls will try and put portable toilets there so the toilets don't get smashed inside. And Kentmere has a water, ta- a water tank in the roof which runs out of water. So we have to put a 3,000 litre bowser there. So they're just driving around, dropping all this stuff off. And then our checkpoint teams, I mean, some of them have been there since year one, like Tony and Giselle who go to Braithwaite, some of them more recent. And then we got, you know, you've got the people like the Wastel Strollers and the Spartans and everybody else who just come every year and treat it like a big club weekend. Yeah. And, uh, and they kind of own that checkpoint, you know, which we're very lucky they do. And so we give them a list of kits and we have all the food for them. And then they turn up and they, they'll turn up on mass in their cars or a van or whatever they've hired load all that stuff in and drive to their checkpoint and all the essential like the tables and the chairs and the water and the toilets and everything should already be there um and then uh, yeah and we, we give them a bit of money as well to say well this is what you're getting but if you want to take something else um you, you you've got 500 quid or whatever to spend on whatever food you want to buy so this is where we get these situations where people are going, oh, why was there no watermelon at this checkpoint when there was last year? And I'm thinking, I didn't even know there was watermelon, at this, <laughs> to be honest. No idea. And that's because the marshals have bought that with their budget and brought it themselves, you know. Mm. So, yeah. and I think, sorry, go for it, John. No, you go for it. I was going that. to say about Mardale Head. I've been there twice now. I don't recall ever seeing a road. Is there is there a road in there you can drive into? There's one road in and same road out. Yeah. Yeah. I think the air left the stuff in, Josh. I was thinking maybe <laughs> a helicopter or something going in there because it's a right, okay. No, no, but you know what? It's a very good insight. And I was going to ask about marquees as well because it's something that I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about until Saturday. Last Saturday, Stephen and I went across to Ambleside and we seen the structure there that was that was outside. But when you think about how many checkpoints there are, and this is the things all I'm trying to do here is to give the runners and the support teams and families an appreciation of the size and the scale of the operation that goes on to provide people rave about checkpoints, but they don't just happen. You know, there's a lot of things to do even before the checkpoint staff get there. So I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, Mark, about there's, there's a team employed to go and put these structures yeah. in place, but also to disassemble them later on as well. It doesn't just happen. 
it's no yeah. leaving no trace behind you and, and yeah. all, all the yeah I mean that's the tricky thing you know obviously we've talked many times about how fragile it is as well so, mm-hmm. so if, we're, if we're having a checkpoint at a village hall and it's left and um and you know there's some damage or it's left in a mess or some litter or something which isn't collected then you know it, it, it obviously comes back on us we just have to make sure and the checkpoint teams they've been there 24 hours or something you know you, you can't say oh, make, make sure it's spotless because they've been like, they're just zombie five because they've been there for 24 hours. Uh-huh. So in a lot of the places, we will make sure, we'll speak to them and, and, and book a cleaner in for the Monday or whatever it may be. But just making sure none of that goes by. Because your worst case scenario is something's left in a mess or there's some rubbish left there and you don't know about it. And you leave it there three weeks until the person who owns that checkpoint finally contacts you in a rage because you haven't yeah. collected it. So we just have to chase them all up on the Monday. Emails start going out. That's what Joe does, to be honest, Monday morning back the next day emails out to every single checkpoint if there's anything you need to do any damage any mess or anything we'll pay for it all you know just make sure that everything's absolutely fine so we can keep that relationship for next year yeah yeah don't want to jeopardize it yeah. um, in, in the slightest and i that, that i think that's been a great wee insight into just the logistics and infrastructure that sits behind all this and you say that fun and all the nonsense that that goes on with it which yeah, makes the weekend, but without all that and the volunteers, et cetera, et cetera, delivering it and everybody knowing their role, everybody, yeah, <laughs> having a checklist or whatever it may be or, or whatnot is, um, yeah, it's pretty sensational um, and the way it's pulled off. So congratulations mm-hmm. to everybody involved. Yeah, we actually met, a, Steve and I met a few guys and people um, in Coniston, in the village itself, that uh, on Saturday, and for some, I suppose it happens every year. People arrive in Coniston; they have no idea what's going on. They've, all these folk with ye- this year, folk with yellow t-shirts and sheriff badges. What's what's going on? And then, and then eventually, people like Andy Berry come through. Everybody starts, starts cheering. What's going on? Or oh, there's this event, and people are absolutely flummoxed and bamboozled that human beings would pay to run 100 miles and then 50 miles throughout the Lake District. And I, I love the fact that, because for Stephen and I, and you guys as well, it's part of our world. It's what it's what people do in the summertime. But there are people out there that non-runners have no idea. But I think we encourage a few people to be looking at that ballot opening in September and thinking, yeah, I could do that. You know, you've yeah. got a year, you've got a year to prep. Yes. But as, what I'm, where I'm trying to go with that is, Coniston just continues as normal, doesn't it? There's people coming to visit Coniston, but Coniston, what's the relationship like between Coniston and the race? Because it seems to really embrace it for me. Is that true? Is that what happens? Mm. Yeah. Mostly. Mostly, yeah. 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 Is that for you, Terry, or for me? (laughs) It's for you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to... No, I mean, I think if if you've got a race in a village like that, there's always going to be someone that's going to be upset. Yeah. But... um, We've got a really good relationship. We've got a really good relationship with the parish council, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. And there's 16 years now as well, and I think it's very different if it's one or two, three years. But when it's been 16 years, I think people just kind of get used to it. And we have got a really good relationship, but you'll always upset one person or something like that. And you can understand it as well. If you've got a young child and people are ringing cowbells at two o'clock in the morning to keeping yeah. the child awake, <clears throat> kind of understand it, can't you? you know? So exactly. I, I completely understand it. But um, 
but I would say on the whole, really, you know, very much on the whole, we've got a, we've got a really good relationship with the, with the people in Coniston now and with Coniston Parish Council. So I can imagine how much work and endeavour went into fostering those relationships. You know, that, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah that, to get where you are now. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I think that's it. It has grown over the 16 years. And I think perhaps I, could, I can imagine like if kind of like, you know, new companies coming in or trying to organise an event, it's very difficult. Mm. But you've just got to speak to people, haven't you? I mean, that's the thing. It's just mm. about building relationships. And if you're coming in with an almighty, do you know where we are kind of thing and, you know, just ignoring people, then you, you don't expect to be, be accepted. And if you work with them and see what you can do to help them and everything else and, you know, well, friends with people and just give people time and they're, they're OK. I think that's that's half the problem, isn't it? Sometimes that people just feel that they're not being not being listened to or, you know, accepted. actually doing anything to solve any problems you know well it, it's got to be it's got to be on on both parts as well i mean we do put back into coniston as well don't we mm -hmm. we've got a, a coniston community fund and we we provide uh funding for local groups um it all goes into the parish council and then they decide how to distribute it um so it's, it's good to put things back in there as well yeah yeah, yeah. yes yeah. that's, that's a big part that comes across during the presentation ceremony as well about what's happening about where's people where their fees go to their entrance fees and what they're what they're doing yeah. can we go back it's something that you touched on mark and i just realized this is the first year of three years in a row visiting coniston that i've actually witnessed the one mile race you mentioned it earlier on what a buzz there is at that man that's quite <laughs> phenomenal isn't it do you want to say a wee bit about that for people that maybe haven't experienced it yeah, yeah. So we used to do it down down Lake Road, down to the Bluebird Cafe and back. But um, we just realised it's just, you know, it's causing too much inconvenience because we're blocking the road for 20 minutes while the kids run down and back. So that's why we moved it onto the field, you know, again, to kind of re reduce the amount of um, traffic problems. Because that's one of the, again, you know, we talked about if if you planned for two and a half thousand, if you're planning an event now for two and a half thousand people, you wouldn't choose Coniston. It's as simple as that, you know. You're driving down a dead end road to try and get onto a field to camp. So towns like Keswick, for example, are much better geared up to it. A66, big main road all the way down there. Plenty of places where you can get a lot of people in and out, but, you know, the infrastructure. Um, so, you know, there, there are more, there are much simpler places where you could organise the event from. And that said, it's always been Coniston. So as long as they'll have us at Coniston, I'd always wanted to be Coniston because that's part of the history of the event. Mm -hmm. So we could double the numbers if we move it, but it's not what it's about, is it? You know, it wouldn't be the event it is if we if we decided to move it just so we could double the numbers. Um, the um, so that that's always going to be tricky. And Lake Road is always a hot spot, and people getting down there because the, there's the, the gondola, you know, the National Trust gondola and the water sports centre down there and all of that. So it's just keeping that road clear. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, I'm, I'm going off a tangent here, but that's why we don't hold the kids race on the road anymore, and we and we do a lap of the field. But we started off, and the idea was we just we just started off in I think it was the second or third year. We put a little fun race on for the kids, and then it's grown and grown and grown, and the whole fox thing, and the kids get a medal, and um, it's um, yeah. We used to have dance routines and all sorts of things, and, it, and that kind of grew. I mean, so so unfortunately, I can't I can't be much involved with the Lakeland one because there's too much other stuff going on there. But um, but it is it is brilliant, and I think that's part of it, isn't it? You know, we talk about why is it such a good atmosphere. Um, and one of the reasons why is because of the family aspect. So if people didn't bring their partners, husbands, wives, children, mothers, fathers, whatever, then there wouldn't be the same atmosphere, would there? 
So that that's one element of it is the family thing, and um, and, and the kids race it is now become quite notorious really as part of the uh, part of the weekend. I think <laughs> so, it's taking uh, part. Mark said that he wasn't having time to get involved. Now I've got a photo of you in an inflatable <laughs> horse suit in full character at the start of the kids race. It looked like you were getting involved at that point <laughs> albeit maybe for no as long as you wanted to be um, and stuff and is it still sorry would it be the case then that you've now seen people grow up doing the Lakeland one who are now in the 50 yeah well, yeah. well it was Laura wasn't it Laura Stevenson that's yeah. right it is Laura Stevenson yeah yeah it was Laura Stevenson wasn't it so we've seen people kids have done the Lakeland one now taking part in the event and I so said we've um uh it's in 16 years, and I, mean, I think I said this in the briefing, and to, to uh, a 50 or 100 briefing, was talking about how you've seen kids grow up over that 16 year period, the same people coming back. But like, and, and I know I'm kind of talking to Terry here, but in stores, the Easterns who were in stores, who'd been coming every year, and yeah. their kids, it's kind of strange, you walk in, because you don't see them, you see in the same families, but only on an annual basis. Yeah. So every yeah. year you walk in and go, oh my God, you know. And I actually, for a split second, didn't realize, didn't recognize the Easterns children um, yeah. because they were, because, you know, they're almost grown up now, you know. It's, Adults. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the eldest was a baby in arms, if I remember rightly, the first time we met them. Yeah, yeah. that's right, yeah. yeah. So you, you see that year after year. But, the, um, but for the kids' race, yeah, we had Laura Stevenson last year. And she she'd done the Lakeland one because we knew this would happen at some point. Kids will do the Lakeland one and then they'll go and do the Lakeland 50. And then last year we had Laura Stevenson, who at 21 did the Lakeland 100. She'd done the 50 the year before and four years before that had done the Lakeland one. So she was our trip last year. She was our triple crown winner, the first ever person to achieve the triple crown of being a kid doing the Lakeland one, then doing the Lakeland 50 and then finishing the Lakeland 100 at 21 years of age. <laughs> That's you know, phenomenal, so, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. She was broken at the end, I can remember. <laughs> she struggled afterwards to recover, to be honest, she was in bits. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's it's amazing really to think about that, you know, to, to have someone who's done at 21 years of age, has gone from the one to the 50 to the 100. Yeah. And I think um, we'd be amiss not to speak about the excitement at the sharp end of the races at the weekend in terms of the, the, the finishes to the hundreds and fifty, particularly in the, the, the men's category. Both races pretty much decided in the last, you know, one percent of yeah. the yeah. <laughs> yeah. the routes. Um and I know that you were at the finish line for Andy Berry coming over. Um, we got the we chat. I got a wee chance to speak to Andy after it. He didn't realise he'd won when he crossed the line. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but he was in doubt. He wasn't sure. I don't know if that was a little bit of um, yeah, he, hazing, yeah. fog, brain fog. I'm trying to say, um, just we've been on the go for 105 miles. Um, but in the same over in the men's race, Neil McNichol, who's been quite a perpetual podiumer across a number of years now, taking the fifty in the a sprint for the sprint for the line almost. Yeah, yeah, that was bonkers. And yeah, you know, seeing that unfold and keeping up with a tracker, like well, we're expecting yeah. so and so to come down at somebody else. Um, has that been the closest sort of finishes, or is that? something that's happened before quite as exciting at the sharp end 
We've had some, oh, yeah, we, we have had some close finishes, haven't we? Yeah. Past, yeah. but I don't think ever across the 50 and the 100, because it's like, uh, am I right in the 50, a couple of people dropped out before the last checkpoint or something? Because I remember, I think there were like, there was two or three people who were 20 minutes ahead of something. Mm-hmm. Between Chapel Style and Tilberthwaite, I think two of them pulled out. So suddenly the person that was in fifth, like 20 minutes behind, or uh-huh. six, 20 minutes behind, was suddenly like fourth and two or three minutes behind the leader. So there was just massive, massive shift in the last in the last um, kind of eight miles. Um, but then, and then you say, then in the 100, it was settled just on the track down from the, from the uh, copper mines, wasn't it? Copper mines, yeah. Uh, was it Jareth who was in yeah. leading? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then yeah. I think Andy was saying that he basically just bonked and he literally had to stop and get some water or, or something off some walkers who were passing by. Yeah. And but, and again, we're looking at the trackers and thinking the tracker's not updating, the tracker's not updating, you know, the tracker's still. The tracker was still because he was just stood there or sat there and not moving because he, he'd blown. Yeah. And mm. it was all inside the last mile, you know. They both they both went out at a hell of a pace as well, didn't they? Yeah. They started yeah. at a tremendous pace, and I just presumed that they would just burn out. Yeah. Uh, mm. But they just carried on, yeah. 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 Maybe had their eye on that Matt Derbyshire course record at that point, because I think it, they were on course yeah. first half to, yeah. to, to match it. Um, Very wet for course record, though, isn't it? It was, it was absolutely bone drives like road running when Mark set that record. Yeah. You know, so I think I, I don't think those conditions were ever going to be favourable to breaking records. Yeah, but Andy ended up with the third fastest fastest time, I think, yeah. in record. So yeah, yeah, just a smidge over twenty hours. Um, yeah. yeah, and yeah, pretty astonishing um, finishes. And you're right that I think when we spoke to Andy, he did a four twenty kilometre down that final descent to try and rein in Charlotte. Yeah. So. Yeah. 104 miles in your legs that was yeah pretty awe-inspiring stuff um, and over in the um the female race sorry mark you coming in just gonna say mark derbyshire emailed me monday and said can i get an entry for next year <laughs> fomo just saying <laughs> yeah did you get my about. email yet <laughs> now you've been messing around with them other stupid races yeah you can come back yeah <laughs> he's maybe got a 19 hour itch to scratch yeah, <laughs> that's exciting. Um, and over in the um, female races, Sabrina, who's obviously an icon of the sport, um, came over the line looking irritatingly fresh. <laughs> um, but she she did say that she'd had quite a tough time out there. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't speak to her to be honest, but I I mean I think with Sabrina, is once she's in the lead, the chances of actually getting past her are pretty slim because if anything, she's not going to go slower, is she? You know, so. She'll just keep going and going, won't she? So once I saw she was in the lead, um, I, I presume that that was that really because the, yeah. So the chances of her slowing down are pretty slim, aren't they? Yes. So, and you know. Yeah, it was an it was an honour to get to speak to her. Certainly, um, a wee bit starstruck at that one myself. I, said, you know, I did see her at the finish, and I remember mm-hmm. that she was pretty spaced out at the finish, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Had to get her some food. Yeah. Yeah, a wee moment to com- compose herself. Yeah. Um, and then over in the 50 for the girls, it was a title retained by Katie. Yeah. Yeah. Who slipped right into mum mode almost the second she crossed the finish line, which was super impressive. Yeah. Yeah. She said to me, because uh, I, I was chatting to her before and I don't know, I said something to her about just joking about records and stuff. And she said, Oh, 
she said, no, I'm not training much now. She said, you know, I've, got, I've obviously got a child and all that kind of stuff, so I'm not thinking of anything like that. And you just think, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Eight hours, 20, and a little bit all of change. service resumed. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, was lovely. Epic, what was we? lovely, though, with Katie was Katie came and we were sitting at the stage, the side of the stage, and Katie came and sat on the stage, but her parents were there as well, and her child was there. And it was just, as you spoke about the family thing, yeah. It was brilliant. Just they were all yeah. sharing that moment together. It was lovely. You know, oh, it was really nice. Away, isn't he? Uh, it was away. He's away. I can't remember where he is. He's like, was he in South America or something? But I know he was away, so that's why parents were there to. Right. Yeah. Babysitting. But it was nice. We were, we were just sitting at the side. Yeah. And you're thinking, just there. She just won. She just won that race, and she's just sitting there with her kid. It was just brilliant it's even stage she had never had the chance because children don't think about my mum's just done 50 miles really quick yeah. i'll give her five minutes it's a case of let's go it's party <laughs> time you know so it was lo- just lovely to witness that you know and that's and then, nice, you know i mean it's not as if it's a professional sport is it so i think that's that's a nice thing about ultra running in general it's not as if people aren't walking around with entourages are they you know i mean they'll mm. just sit down at the same table and have a beer with you and have a chat with you and talk I to anyone I'll tell you what, 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 was a, what was a lovely moment. We were sitting as well and Andy Berry came through from the winners or the finisher side of the marquee into the sort of bar area. And this round of applause just started rippling around, you know, in, in recognition of what he'd done. And But Andy being Andy, he was just very humble about it all and just think he just sat. Then he spoke with us and he said that he'd, what did he have, Stephen? A deconstructed burger was his post-race yeah, yeah. pleasure. Yeah, he did. He had a deconstructed burger. So basically, he didn't know what he wanted. So they made all the components of a burger in different boxes for him. And he just kind of like treated it like a sort of burger tapas, I think. Um, that's, that's what I was thinking in my head. Um, but yeah, and and also, OK, that's the, the finishers are in in first places, but they're still 1,900 and something people out on the course. And uh, that unique finish line that you've got there guys is just something else i think um john and i doesn't it's hard to describe without actually witnessing the finish line and the process and 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 then that celebration of everybody coming across the line because of course that person who who finished during the presentation and came into the presentation with a sensory overload um <laughs> is just as celebrated as Mark and Sabrina are as well, um, and and that I don't I don't know. Um, it's hard it's hard to describe, John. Just the, the uniqueness of that atmosphere in the the marquee, um, and it's 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 an onslaught. It doesn't die down, and, and I don't know how what you give to the volunteers. <laughs> I don't know if there's a magic concoction in that sanctuary that you're kind of pumping into their veins, but everybody's on board, um, and that. I've taken a lot of, you know, that sort of culture that sits around the race is so evident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it never fades. It never fades from start to finish. Yeah. You know, the volunteers, are, I'm not sure if you take it in sort of wee shifts to be up, but everybody's up and every single, as you say, Stephen, every single finisher gets the same energy all the way through from... Mm-hmm. From dusk till dawn, and that's exactly what happens, you know. And it's it's brilliant. There is a there is a rotor of people coming on and off, and what what you thought. But there, you're right. I think they all want that job. They all want that job of shouting people into the marquee. Yeah. Oh yeah, no wonder. Yeah. I, I witnessed. I'm not sure. Time eight nine a.m. Sunday. There was a lady. She brought in three people at the same time, 
And the final one she announced, she could, you could tell she was getting a bit emotional. And then she sort of just went, my hubby. So it was her husband <laughs> that she was announcing. And I don't, I don't even know if, if she ever got past his name because all the emotion of the crowd just went, yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's what it's like. That's the moment. You yeah. know, and you can and you can see people overcome with emotion because for a lot of people, this is the realization of a dream. You know yeah. that they, that at one time they thought they weren't possible. They they, they couldn't do this, and yeah. to to then do it and to, to then get all that cheering and sharing that moment, it's just really special. And we've said this. I don't know how many times this week, Stephen. It's a real privilege that we've had mm-hmm. to be there and and to witness it. You know, and yeah. It's brilliant. So big thank you to you guys and the volunteers that make that happen for people because it is yeah. really special. Yeah, unforgettable. And not to have the pressure of actually running as well on top of that. Do you know the run anxiety? Um, <laughs> <laughs> of being able to actually sleep on the Friday night, um, maybe helped along by some liquid refreshment, was <laughs> an absolute treat. <laughs> <laughs> testify to that um yeah so yeah is there anything else that we want to touch on when, when people listening when, when when's entry's opening <laughs> uh, i'll let you do the honest terry <laughs> uh, it, it's september the first september the first at nine o'clock okay and they open for the month of september what's the window 48 hours Ooh. I'm glad I asked that. I'm glad I asked that then. So we've got two days to get your entry in, right? Okay. Yeah. Entries yeah. close at 9am on the 3rd of September. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's a ballot rather than entries. Yes. It's a ballot. Yeah, so you can put your name in. Yeah. I think okay. there is, you know, it's fair to say, the longer you leave the ballot open. Because when we run the ballot, and we ran the ballot last year, mm-hmm. um, and we probably took twice as many people in the ballot as places in the race and then we send out a list of invites saying do you wish to accept your place and if you wish to accept pay now we'll send we'll oversend by 10 percent because 10 percent of people won't accept the place which i know a lot of people find that really hard to believe and kind of why would you even put yourself in the ballot but when something's free you don't pay anything to go in the ballot they just chuck the name into the hat and then decide you get, an, you get the invite and go, now's the time you want to pay. And then oh, I don't, don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I think you also, the other thing is, of course, and, and this is, I think, is a genuine reason, and I understand this. So you two might want to run together and you put, put your name in the hat. And then one of you gets in and the other one doesn't. Because you want to run together, so well, let's leave it and try again next year. So the person who actually got the place just doesn't accept it. And you get, you'll get partners, friends, husbands, wives, all that kind of stuff, groups wanting to run together. Mm-hmm. So, so we over invite a little bit because we know that, um, you know, a lot of people won't, uh, 10% people won't take, take us upon the invite. Sure, but yeah. the, we're going to stay with the ballot. If we have the ballot open for a week, um, then the number of people just throwing the name in the hat because they may or may not do it increases, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that more condensed to do it, 48 hours. Yeah, if they want to do it, they'll be in within the 48 hours and put the name in the ballot. If we leave it open for a week or something, then we'll end up getting, we get, another 3,000 who 30% probably didn't accept the offer if we sent it to, you know. Oh, yeah. So okay. it's... Uh, and we do we do then offer some charity places afterwards, don't we, Mark? Yeah, we put some charity places available as well after that, don't we? So we have a certain... Because it, and it offers people the opportunity who, who de- desperately want to get in, 
Because I said there'll be people who desperately want to get in, there'll be people who kind of can take it or leave it and they'll stick the name in the ballot if they don't get a place, they're not that bothered. Yeah. Charity places at least gives them the opportunity if they desperately want to get in. And it's only you've only got to raise a hundred pounds for charity, so it's not one of these kind of, you know, raise four thousand pounds or something like that, you know, that you see all the time on, on social media. It's a hundred yeah. quid, you know. So it's not yeah. a massive yeah. amount to raise. And personal experience that John and our other our other mate John both got on in twenty twenty two, I didn't he? Yeah. Bloody algorithms and ballot. <laughs> and and um but I got a charity place myself and oh. I, I was completely, you know, that's yeah. that was a wee bonus thing that I, I, I could still take part. So yeah, do keep keep an eye on the charity places. And but on charity, what was the I don't know if you have a totalizer for how much was raised throughout the, the weekend event and virtual, um roughly. Um but I know that that is a, a huge part of the outcome. Oh, good question. Well, pro- oh. I, I mean, I, at the moment, the stuff's still coming in. Facebook mm-hmm. and the Just Giving pages aren't closed and stuff like that. Yep. But I, would, I mean, I, I would guess between sixty and 80,000. Wow. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I see you've already started, uh, donations have already started. There's the, Paul the DJ. Yeah. yeah, he was. There was a. The, all the there's a people get to nominate a charity, don't they? And a donation goes from the. So, the, so how the it works right? is we've got well, the, the donations so far. So we we doubled the. Um, Jacob's ladder, yeah. So there was the two and a half thousand pound that Jacob's ladder collected. So we doubled that to make that five. Um. Yeah, Paul Riddell, who's Mr. DJ every year, we gave him a choice, and he he went for Sunderland food, um, soup kitchen today. We sent a thousand pound. We've got um, £5,000 for Mountain Rescue went out this morning. There'll be £10,000 going out to the Coniston Community Fund. And that funds all sorts of things in Coniston, kids' groups. They have coffee mornings for pensioners, whatever it may be. They did some renovations on the the theatre there, didn't they? And and there's there's a whole host of things in Coniston. The school might apply for some of that money. So £10,000 goes into a pot for Coniston as well. And then we, we try to break it down into smaller donations out of like 500 pounds. So simple things like, um, and what we try to do is, uh, to, to, as a thank you, is is split it amongst, or, or the donation choices go to a lot of the people involved in the race. Mm-hmm. So there are 14 checkpoints on the route. So the people who own the checkpoint, they all get 500 pounds to donate wherever they like. So as an example, if you are the... Um, what I'm thinking of an example from last year, Braithwaite, where Tony and Gisela are. So Braithwaite Village Hall, the people who run the Village Hall or manage it, they get a choice for £500. And I think they gave it to, I remember for Braithwaite last year, it was the blood bikes. You know, the motor bikers that do all the blood uh, yeah. transport. So they chose to give it to blood bikes. So you give it to um, uh, Heather over who owns a barn at Wasdale, and she gave it to like maybe the, the uh, Wasdale show for the kids' prizes or for the fell race or something. Yeah. So the people who own it, they get a choice of where they want £500 to go. So that's £7,000 across the 14 checkpoints. And then the people who run that checkpoint, so Tony and Giselle who run Braithwaite, who manage it, they'll get a choice where they want £500 to go to. And that so, may be something like away from... And it, it's got to be a community cause, something local to you. So, it yeah. could, you know, whatever that may be, it could be a food bank, it could be a kids' sports project, whatever it, whatever it is, kind of certain criteria to match. And... Um, so there's another £7,000 then for the checkpoint managers. So, you know, the Spartans, Noni at Ambleside, uh, Kim and Nikki were at Chapel Style, Janet and Lisa are at Tilberthwaite. They get a choice of where they want £500 to go, as well as the people that own that property or own that land. They get a choice of where they want £500 to go as well. So that's a £1,000 a checkpoint. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
and I love that. It's, it's not just one donation to charity. Mm. A, a whole host of charities are benefiting from this. Yeah. You know, which is great. If it's just the whole idea of spreading the love, isn't it? Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what you're doing. So yeah. probably, can we speak very briefly, or maybe as long as you like, about the the presentation ceremony? You could talk about line dancing if you wish. <laughs> <laughs> What's your recollections, Terry? I've got very vague. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, th I think the line dancing was exceptional, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I only saw it from behind. Yeah. So, but it looked good from behind. Terry's got the seven board. <laughs> I had to drag you to run down that the, the aisle as well. You did. You but I did, did yeah. not go down. I went down and, and the next yeah. you were hand in hand with Mark Willett skipping back up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Something something to remember, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is it, it's a it's always a it's nicer presentation, isn't it? Because it's a, it's just and so when everybody's back as well, well you know they're back, or the, the force still out on the course, but they're just coming up through the town. You kind of know everyone's everyone's back then. Because I, I think, I mean, Terry will agree with me this that the whole the whole event it's like forty eight hours of anxiety, because you know, God forbid, in touch wood that something should happen. Yep. You've got a lot of people out on the course in in you know on mountain terrain, and, and something serious could happen to any one of them at any point. So you just and I, I really hope we don't ever get to the year where it does, but you've always got that on your mind. So until everyone's back, it's very hard. It's, for me, it's quite surreal trying to sleep and going to sleep, knowing that I'm leaving it in someone else's hands and everybody's out on the mountains somewhere. You know, it, it's a real, really hard, it's a big responsibility and it's yeah. constantly nagging on your brain all the time. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, I, I, it, the, the thing is with 150 as well, we kind of call it like Montana Lake and 50 and 100. What's difficult about it is, I find, is that it, it isn't one event, it's two events which are operating on the same weekend. So we'll get up on Saturday morning and go, right, we might be shattered because we've not slept on Friday night. And the hundreds started and we're already well into the weekend now. So we've been on it since Friday morning, seven o'clock, and we're now into Saturday morning. And people are turning up for the briefing on Saturday morning who are about to start at 11.30 that day. So they're just appearing. It's like, right, this is the start of our weekend. And we've been on it all, all evening, all, yesterday and all evening, all night. So even going into the 50 briefing, I'm very conscious of, come on, game face on now. This is, these people have just arrived. They haven't been here for the last 24 hours. This is the start of the 50 now. Let's up, up, up the ante a little bit. Let's, you know pick it up even though you're knackered from the night before um, and then we go up to Dale now so we debrief and then we all get in the, we get in the cars and get ahead of the coaches and we dash up to Dale now and then all the 50 start and then um, when the 50 starts and then you round the Dale main estate and manage the road crossing and everything else and then it gets to about half past 12 one o'clock and it's kind of easing down at Dale main and then you realize that since seven o'clock that morning until one o'clock that afternoon on the Saturday I haven't thought anything about the 100 runners who are out on the course. There's another event happening that we haven't been monitoring at all. You know, there is someone else monitoring it, yeah. but not us. Yeah. But you kind of think, God, I wonder where the 100 runners are. And then you look and they're almost at Coniston. So you, it's very hard switching between one and the other. And if you have enough staff to do that. But it's, yeah, it, it isn't. People think that from a logistics perspective, it is... It's one event with two distances. It's it's mm. two separate events completed. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So you bring yeah. two events on the same weekend. 
I, I always miss the first 100 runners coming in because I'm stuck on the road crossing at Dale Main for an hour and a half waiting for 1,300 people to come over the road. And by the time I get back to Coniston, you know, the, the first three, uh, uh, three or four have come in already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's why we asked you to step in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. can reel re it over on the event Facebook page. I, I see. Um, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, there forever. Right. Back, I think we just got back in time for the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I was videoing these moments and I was videoing the celebration the presentation um, at the end and what's the dj's name paul Riddell. paul okay so i'm on facebook live every time i'm getting that message up to say licensed music is playing we're taking your video down it was just <laughs> popping up on my screen i'm like that this music is brilliant i love it i love it but it's it's, it's stuffing up this facebook live and um which which we were trying to do so i think it's in four chunks and that's why because licensing issues yeah. with the but the music's just like uplifting it's just like yeah. um yeah and my ears are still ringing actually yeah, <laughs> yeah. i think we had, we had a good selection of country music for the for the presentation didn't we, we got the right tunes absolutely yeah. and the vibe the vibe in that tent was electric absolutely yeah. electric you know and you what's that you're saying that's like 48 hours i don't know if you do get any sleep mark but you've you're then switched on you're the host with the most and you're giving you rattling off all these stats and figures and whatever but the, and the volunteers, they created that, what would you call it, a guard of honour, would you call it, from the back of the tent to the front. And yeah. that, that the, you know what, there wasn't one moment, there was a number of moments. The 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 final finishers coming in was brilliant. The the story that you shared of, um, was it Rich, that was the, the person you invited up on stage to do the sticker gamble thing. That was quite a funny moment there as well. That was quite good. The marriage proposal. God, man, we had it the whole weekend. We had it all, didn't we? It was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. It's almost like it was scripted. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. But it wasn't, because I, I seen one of the marshals coming up and giving Mark a piece of paper. That was about the wedding proposal. That had just almost happened. So it was a case of, let's do this. Ah, oh, why not? Boom, come on. It was brilliant, man. Fantastic. Really good. I mean, I, I think it's nice with... with so Richard posted something on Facebook a month earlier, hadn't he, about... Yeah. You know, yeah. coming back from alcohol addiction and his story. So you're, you're always watching for those things and you think, right, there we go. I'll have that one. And I had messaged Rich a few weeks ago and said, so you need to be at the presentation now. You know, and I'd, I'd already spoke to him about that. And if you finish, I want you to, you need to make sure you're at the presentation. So I'd already clocked those things. Um, but I've said that before about, I think I've said it a few times about, you know, um, with, with, with the race. Is that how how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep people wanting to come back? Mm -hmm. And if you run a, a, an event on a set structure, and it's the same every year, no matter how good that event is, it is just the same every year. So at some point, will people get bored of it? Yeah. So for, for if you can change it every year, um, then it stays fresh, and people are wondering you know, what's going to be new this year. And there's there's two things to try to do. Is one is the theme, isn't it? So I think we nailed it with the country and Western this year. Um, but then I say that, but then, uh, you know, last year, the whole Make Legends Not War thing with Ukraine and the year before the Blues Brothers getting the band back together. 
Yeah. So we are best year ever, best year ever. We just keep saying that. And I don't, I don't think it was the best year ever. I just think I forgot about last year and forgot about the year before that. You <laughs> know, so recency bias stuff, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Those yeah. Things, um, you know, that, that we have. But then the other thing is, of course, the other way to keep it fresh is that it is that the race itself, the people that come every year are different. So if you can find if you can find those stories, and I can tell you all the stories from all the previous years of these different people year on year, whether it's go back five years at Tony the Unmanned Diverman at um, Hard Not and Rhino's Pass, we found out this guy had been going for like six, seven years, had been stood at the Unmanned Diver point on the Rhino's Pass, helping people to guide them across Blee Moss. And we didn't even know that this guy, one year this guy had been out walking, had seen this event, and had stood there all night helping people, and then decided to come back every year and do the same. But we never even knew about this. They've been doing it for six years. And then, you know, Tony the Unmanned, the Tony the Unmanned Dibberman. And then you've got, like, the stories from, um, you know, Mike, who had cancer last year, and you've got, um, or Carl, rather. keep calling him. It's Carl Michael, isn't it? But probably Mike. And then, you know, Rich from this year. And there's, there's, there's stories every year. We've had a couple of marriage proposals, all that kind of thing. And the stories will change every year. So if you can, rather than putting the attention onto the race and going, oh, look at the race, the race is good and it's great and we do all of this, you can use the race, because the race is quite a powerful thing now, isn't it? Do, do, do you know what I mean? If we, it's got a big following. So you can turn the spotlight and use the race to go, look at him, look at them, look at her. Mm. And, and then there's these amazing stories which will, which will go on you know, every year because you can use the race to highlight look at what that guy is doing that's amazing. Look at what that lady is doing there, which is unbelievable. And I think that's what to try to do each year is not turn the spotlight inwards and go, look at the race, it's really good. It's use the spotlight of the race to point it at other people and say, look at that story. You know, that's, that's amazing. And then if we can keep it rolling over, you know, why don't you do the 100 next year rather than the 50, Rich? <laughs> So that's one story boxed off already for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> just remember it. <laughs> I'll, I'll let in some secret information as well, and I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to. Uh, um, uh, I don't think I'm treading on any toes with this as well. So I messaged Rich, the because um, he he said he'd re- with his he got a couple of other um, um, recovering addicts into trail running, and they had a bit of a running club. Him and his wife were organising a bit of a running group on Saturday morning. So I messaged him on the Monday and said, oh, well done, mate, you know, brilliant, you know, well done on everything. Tell me more about this running group that you organise. So he's got a bit of a, um, they've got a bit of a running group, getting other recovering addicts into trail running as a way of helping them. So I said, you know, could some of them do the 50 next year? Could you train them for the 50? So that's a whole other thing that potentially we're going to help with is put some funding into that group that he's organising in Wales and then offers us offer a series of free entries into the Lakeland 50. So he might not be coming back on his own next year. There might be a whole group of them coming. Brilliant. But that's it. That's how it's, you know, it just takes one person like him to start it. And then it's a snowball effect, isn't it? Don't let Netflix hear that story. They'll be well on to them. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't they just? Um, so, that's so fantastic. He's back on his own next year. He'll be coming back with a whole group of them. Oh, man. We'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. What you said around about that... I was almost hearing it, Mark, like sort of Groundhog Day syndrome of, you know, just like play it again, Sam. If you did the same thing every year, yeah. then you, you, you won, you wouldn't attract as many people back and you wouldn't attract as many new people because that word of mouth 
is the powerful thing. It's the community that you create and the, the family that you speak about that, you know, John and I absolutely feel part of um, and have mm -hmm. done since we you know, first headed down. Um, and it's quite hard to express the, you know, how, quite how um, powerful and sort of that emotive connection between runners, volunteers, race organisers that you've created is 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 fantastic. Don't know about you, John. Yeah. Uh on the Sunday, um, as we were packing up in the morning, I even I heard people talking about they weren't even giving it that forty eight hour thing. They were saying, I'm coming back next year. But what if we didn't get a place? I'm still coming back. I'll volunteer, but I'll be here next year. People just love it. Um and I totally understand why. It's just a it's a special thing. It's a special um it's a special place, but it's not about the place, it's about the the thing and the thing is the people that's involved there. It's just absolutely wonderful. So I, I'm I'm still on a buzz from last weekend, you know, and I hope hope it lasts for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Well that has been a fantastic little retrospective not just about last weekend, but actually just some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and you know that Terry and, and Mark yeah, head up, but they're aided and abetted by a cast of hundreds, really. Oh, yeah. an, an army, that's a, a good way to put it, or I don't know what you call a group of cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a collective. Easy now. Easy yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. A I'll say. Boys. A rhinestone of cowboys. A wrangler. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that Wrangler <laughs> shirt did serve you well. I, oh, my seven-year-old daughter, um, my seven-year-old daughter's partially deaf and she um, she can't pronounce certain words. So she kept shouting at me, Wanga! And I had to just... <laughs> 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 I love it. Um, yeah. and, and we know fine well that everybody will be waiting with bated breath on the, the theming for next year. Um, but when is it that the theming usually gets sort of drip fed out? Is it the start of the year? I, I'm, I want, yeah, I'm gutted because like the country western thing, I didn't even have to buy any fancy dress clothes. I just opened the wardrobe and I was ready. You know what I mean? I, I listen, my girls, listen, someone said, oh, your girls are amazing. They sang all the words to all those country and western songs at the presentation. They were up in the VIP area. Uh -huh. um, what we listen, that's that's our playlist in the car. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it wasn't really a theme. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't wait. I might leave this one to Terry for next year. Oh. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> Does this mean I can hang my hat up now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, very that's good. It. <laughs> very good. <laughs> it usually comes at some point. We're sat in the office and have a silly idea, and then we go, let's just go with that. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, I'm going to say about the, the you know the, the going back to the thing about the volunteers as well. It is um, a very um, it's sometimes quite an odd thing when you when you sat there organising it all, and it feels like a bit like a house of cards because you just think so. Any one minute, you know, I don't know if you upset people and they don't want to, you can't use that checkpoint anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like where it's Kent, me, Amado, if you can't use those locations, the whole thing just comes down. You know. And it's the same with the volunteers. If you look at what's creating the atmosphere, so you're watching them cheering them in, you see the crowds outside on the finish line and stuff like that. And it, it's all right to kind of think you're there orchestrating it, but you're not, to be honest, the volunteers to a large extent have taken the event over and they know what they're doing and they just bring that enthusiasm and they run it every year. So when you kind of say, oh, you know, without the volunteers, we wouldn't be able to do this. The, the, the volunteers and the, the passion they put into it and the fact that they've just, 
completely embraced it and adopted it as theirs, you know, that's that that's I, I find that would be really, really hard for, for other people to mimic, you know. And you feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes when you kind of everybody's doing this and you think, why do you even you know, they'll come every single year and put this effort in and you feel like a bit of a fraud sat there sometimes, you know. But it's um yeah, I think that it, it's almost it's almost become owned by the community. If that, do you know do you know if that makes mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, it does. It because, does definitely. because if they, if they just decided don't really want to support it anymore, that's it. It's over, gone. You know, yeah. so it's yeah. It, I feel like it's almost like part owned, isn't it? Really now. But what you've got is the opposite of that. You've got people who want in to support it. Yeah. You know, what I mean, they're, and they're, they're desperate to be in there. And I take it that they'll be. There's, you mentioned earlier on about the sort of checkpoints and the stores, people, there's families involved, you know, this is yeah. what we do this weekend, you know, whole families yeah. are involved. We've been trying for a long time, Stephen, to get these two on Access oh. All Areas, haven't we? And yeah. we, thought it was, we thought it was only fair to wait until we do it post-event. It was only meant to be a half-hour chat. What are we now? But an hour and 15 or something? <laughs> something like that. Time passes. Time I'm passes shout, strange. Shout out to, uh, to Phil Jess and Thea as well. So you know you're talking about families coming up. Mm-hmm. So uh, Phil Gray, uh, Phil Jess, Thea Gray, who come up every year. And um, their daughter Thea is 16 now, I think she is. And she was, you know, I don't know, years they've been coming up for. And Phil manages registration. Normally Jess is running it, isn't she? Yeah. But, um, but she was helping this year. And they, all, they all come up and help. And um, and uh, yeah, every single year, and it's always their wedding anniversary weekend. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's always their wedding anniversary weekend, and they come up every year. And yeah, and Thea always looks after, then ends up babysitting my kids as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's just brilliant. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a classic example of it, really. That's a classic example, and it's just and it's, I'm just I'm sorry, I watch it up now. I think it's good to have the kids there because I mean you would appreciate this. Anybody who brings the family. Where else could you could you find better role models than bringing the kids to a weekend like that? You know, to see that and see the parents or the friends or family, whoever they are, completing events like that. Where mm. else could you find better role models for kids than, than that weekend? You know, so. Increase the next year to get more than 400 medals ordered yeah. for that. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's listen. That's been absolutely fantastic to speak to you about. Well, both our own experience and what it was like from your perspective last weekend. Um, I know that John and I had an absolute hoot, um, and we are super appreciative of being asked along. Um, and it was it was an honour to be honest. Um, John, I don't know if you've got any other closing remarks. I would just echo that. Thank you very much for inviting us along. We weren't quite sure what was going to be happening. We had a rough idea what was going to be happening when we came down, but it was way more than I expected um, to be to get that feeling and to see it from behind the scenes. Um, and I, I suppose the title of this is Access All Areas. That's what you gave to us, was Access All Areas. We were able to get there. I think at one point I was even up on the stage behind you as well, taking photos, Terry and Mark, of people coming up that line, which was brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've not published them anywhere yet. I must think about doing that sometime soon. But no, I think it's just a massive, massive thank you, um, especially for not making us run. That was the main thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to finish up saying, you know, we met loads of people who have listened to the podcast, the Young Hearts Run Free podcast, and loads of new 
people as well made loads of new pals and that's what kind of makes John and I's lights shine brighter so thanks mm -hmm. for that opportunity too it was absolutely awesome <laughs>